Welcome to Unsanctimonious, the podcast where two irreverent pastors explore the Bible using the Revised Common Lectionary while doing their best to be unsanctimonious. What does that mean? Well, if the word sanctimonious means self-righteous, holier-than-thou, smug, falsely pious, pompous, self-satisfied, or prideful, we want to be the opposite of that. Your hosts are Jonathan Kleinsmith and the Reverend Mark Jardine. And even though we're both pastors, we won't pretend to have it all figured out. Spoiler alert, no pastor, theologian, or Bible scholar actually does. But we do believe that God is revealed in the reading of these holy words, and our hope is that by listening to this podcast, you might have an encounter with God as well. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world's all-time best-selling book and see how it might be speaking to us today. So welcome to the Unsanctimonious Podcast. Today we are talking about Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. If you are new to our podcast, just a quick reminder, we will look at a scripture from uh, the week that using the uh, Revised Common Lectionary. Uh, There are daily readings available on our website, unsanctimonious.com, and we'll select one of those readings and really dive deeper into it every week. So today our scripture is Romans 5, verses 1 through 8 from the Common English Bible, which is a really easy-to-read translation, um, which is why we select So without further ado, let's dive in. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, since we have been made righteous through his faithfulness, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand through him, and we boast in the hope of God's glory. But not only that, we even take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. While we were still weak at the right moment, Christ died for ungodly people. It isn't often that someone will die for a righteous person, though maybe someone might dare to die for a good person. But God shows his love for us in this, because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right. So, um, we, uh, we, uh, we like to look at these scriptures using four questions, kind of take what we call the four-question approach. And those questions are, what is the uh, ancient problem that this scripture is trying to address? What is the ancient solution that it offers? What modern scripture or problems might this scripture speak to? And what modern problem or modern solutions uh, might this scripture suggest? So, uh, Mark, uh, I'll let you have the first at-bat. Uh, what do you see the modern or the ancient? I've got. To, I'll, I'm going to delete this part of the question because I sound like a four-year-old. Uh, so, Mark, what do you see the ancient problem being that this scripture is trying to address? Well, I think there's a couple that go on here uh, for Paul as he's addressing the church there in Rome. Uh, the first one is uh, that you know one of the things that goes on in that culture and in all the ancient cultures. Uh, prior to outside of Judaism and Christianity was you had gods 
Mm-hmm. And part of your job was to make sacrifices and offerings and, you know, do all these things to try to make the God do what you wanted the God to do. Right. Out of the harvest, you know, you sacrificed part of your, your harvest, you did all these things so that you would get a good harvest. And so Paul is shaping this as, uh, that, that's a problem, we understand that, is that if it's only out of obligation and trying to get something back, we can never really ever get to a point where we have assurance of the love of that God, other God in their lives. It's always an ongoing bartering system, if you will. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, uh, down in here, I think one of the things he's addressing is you know, that, that Christ died uh, for ungodly people. And he's dealing with the issues of the Jews and the Gentiles mm-hmm. in this passage. He's talking about that uh, for the Jewish people had been God's chosen people. In Christ, we're opening that up. And there is this tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. We know in the early church, the Jewish converts and the Gentile converts over because uh, Paul gets into this in, in further on in Scripture, this uh, in his epistles, the, in his letters he writes, uh, that, that there's this tension going on about, you know, the Jews not feeling like the Gentiles have been circumcised and these sort of things, so does that make them equal to be able to participate in the covenant, uh, worthy of that? And uh, so there's a tension, and I think Paul's somewhat addressing, is addressing that here as well. For the ungodly people as well as the people that have been godly as well. But Christ came for both. So I think those are two of the two of the issues of that day that this scripture sort of points to. Yeah, wow. Uh I think it's interesting. Um so last week we looked at a Psalm of David, and so the kind of the idea we get of the person writing it is, uh, you know, of David uh, sitting around with a musical instrument composing this hymn to God. Um, it's it's an interesting contrast with Romans, uh, and I think it's worth diving into just the context uh, that Paul's writing uh, to really quickly is, um, this is a personal letter, right, that uh, Paul is writing to a group of Christians in Rome uh, who are asking probably some really serious questions about faith. That's uh, one of the hard things about Paul's letters is he's probably responding to other letters that we don't have access to, right? We only we only published Paul's side of it. Um, and these letters would have been written to uh, from Paul to the worshiping community in the locations where he's sending these letters to. And uh, these would have been read out loud and then probably circulated to other Christians in other uh, towns. Um, and so I think it's uh, it's really you're starting to get sort of um, the earliest understanding of what was the Christian message? Why, why did Jesus die and what does it mean that he's resurrected? Right. Um, and for Paul, um, like you said, like it, it's. Uh, it's about giving access to ungodly people to righteousness, right? Like, um, I love what the first sign or the first line of this scripture says: "We have been made righteous through His faithfulness." Right? Like, we're basically adopting 
God's faithfulness or Jesus's faithfulness as our own. And because of that, we could have peace with Jesus. What do you think? Why is that? Why do you think that that is so revolutionary? The idea of uh, depending on Jesus's faithfulness and adopting that as our own. Right. I think, I think that goes back to that thing of all the other, the other worship of other gods has always been about your faithfulness to doing these certain acts got you these certain results. Right. But now you're leaning into your, you know, it's sort of like, I realize I'm not going to be perfect. Well, the other gods, you really need to be perfect in what you offered, what you did. But now you're uh, able to lean into Jesus because Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for you. So in a way, uh, it takes the pressure of dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's away mm-hmm. and lets you simply try to reach out and connect in love and trust in that faithfulness of Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. And so it takes a lot of pressure these people felt, you know, they never could live into being truly faithful enough, maybe, uh, if that makes sense. No, yeah, absolutely. And so then the peace comes and that you can trust in what Jesus has done and you trust in your relationship with Jesus. And, you know, you can need to strive to be good, but, but that's not going to be the determining factor in your life anymore. Right. It's not going to be the determining factor if you make the right sacrifice, if you make the right offering, if you do the, you know, if you crush, crush your teeth and dot your eyes, <laughs> uh, that's not going to be the determining factor anymore. It's really just about your relationship and your faith in Jesus and trusting in his faithfulness, which was perfect faithfulness, which we can never achieve. Right. I think, uh, yeah, and we get a really uh, clear understanding of how this grace sort of works, right? Uh, Verse 2 says, we have access by faith into this grace uh, in which we stand through him and we boast in the hope of God's glory. So. Um, kind of, you know, a traditional uh, understanding uh, of grace from uh, our tradition, right, is uh, God's grace is prevenient. And that's a fancy word that means it goes out uh, and and it's prevent what, what West, John Wesley, a, a, a Methodist theologian and founder of the Methodist movement would say um, that it's a preventing grace, right? It goes out uh, and uh, to all people and draws them uh, to Jesus. Uh, and so we all have this measure of grace in our lives, this, this, uh, this measure of grace that's sort of restored our ability to make moral choices. But then uh, this verse kind of makes clear that we also, uh, because we've been given faith, we can use the faith that we have uh, to enter into this grace even further. Um, that we can make this moral choice to follow Jesus. And we do that moment of justification happens where uh, we are um, cleansed, right? Of our, we are justified, um, cleansed of our sins. And uh, because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And then eventually, uh, and the scriptures uh, that we're dealing with today kind of tackle this a little bit is, um, that grace sanctifies us as well. And that, that's a, a fancy Christian word that means to make us like Jesus. So uh, God calls us through this, uh, this grace, and then we can respond through this grace. And then 
we can become like Jesus through this grace. And uh, But it's all the act of God. It's not like the other ancient worship systems where, um, you know, you might— uh, you might sacrifice uh, and some sort of uh, livestock um, in the hopes that you might placate some god so that you could get some sort of earthly favor. Um, and uh, this scripture goes beyond that. It's not only saying that that's not how it works for earthly things, but even the most important things, this justification, this entry into the kingdom of heaven, eternal life, that even those things don't really depend on our sacrifice, but instead it depends on the work of, uh, of God. And um, that the good news is because of what God's character is, because of God's love for us, um, we don't have to worry about that, that, uh, that God is actually actively seeking us out instead of the other way around. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I like uh, the last of that second verse where it says, uh, you know, Paul, one of his themes in other places is about boasting. He says, we boast in the hope of God's glory. In other words, we don't we don't boast in what we do, and uh, we, we boast in the hope of God's glory and the hope that we're given uh, through our faith in Jesus. Uh, that, that's what we boast in, is what God's able to do, what God has done for us. And uh, that that just helps us uh, to see that the path is made by Jesus, and God is the one glorified in all of this. And then it goes on to admit to that uh, uh, that He even takes pride in His problems. Right. You know, I, I think what we always have to remember is the people of uh, Paul and Jesus' day they had tremendous problems. Too. Right. And, and uh, you know, uh, their culture was, there was persecution of Christians, there was all sorts of real hardships that went on in that culture. And, and uh, but you know, we even, for Paul, because of this faithfulness of Jesus, because of the glory being in God, uh, and the hope being in God, he could even boast in his problems, uh, because they led to, uh, you know, they led to, uh, produce that, uh, you know, trouble produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces even more hope. Uh, and this hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given been given to us. So, in other words, uh, the Holy Spirit, which was given uh, there at uh, Pentecost and was obviously active even before that, uh, has been poured, uh, God's love has been the people's hearts in such a way uh, that if we're simply faithful, keep the faith, uh, that love works through us and in us so that even our troubles, even our hardships, even our problems, uh, there is hope in those. And uh, hope is a product. So as we face, so anyway, so those people who were facing hardship, he was saying to them, uh, you're never without hope. As long as there's faithfulness, as long as you have faith and trust in the faithfulness Jesus, uh, you always have hope, and you're hoping you get stronger when you struggle with hardships. And that's a radical thought. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, I think uh, it's a radical thought today. It must have been incredibly radical um, back in the ancient world when this was written, which kind of brings us to ancient 
problem. Uh, I mean, ancient solution, right? Like, um, you know, the, the ancient problem was, uh, you know, how do we get to God? How do we make the divine, uh, you know, lift these burdens off of us. And, and the ancient solution is, is, you know, it's captured perfectly in verse six, while we were still weak at the right moment, Christ died for ungodly people. Right. Like, uh, what, what better solution is there for the, the pain that we see, uh, in the world or that they must've seen in their world than to know that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how inadequate you are, how broken you are, what, problems that you might have or how disconnected you might feel from the almighty um christ died for ungodly people right for the people that don't belong for the people that are the outcasts for the people that um really uh, shouldn't have hope uh, christ gives them hope right and even then you know i think the thing is in in, in the weakness that hope uh, you know, when these people are feeling the most troubled, the most, uh, having the most problems, the most difficulties, the most challenges, uh, I mean, they're being, uh, you know, whatever, being enslaved or imprisoned or whatever, uh, at that moment, at their lowest, absolutely worst moment, uh, Christ died for them. And so, you know, it's not, once again, we're back to this thing of, it's not like the way things have been where you always have to earn all this by doing the right thing to the right gods. Now, here you are at your worst point where you have nothing, you feel like you have nothing to offer. Uh, and those people felt that, I'm sure, many a time under the oppression of the Roman authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, your God shows up in that. And, uh, you know, and, and, and welcome you and loves you and gives you hope absolutely which uh brings us to nowadays uh how do you how do you think this might speak to us today well i i think yeah i mean where we are today i mean if we're talking today like today with everything going on with uh uh, we've been fighting the virus issues, uh, dealing with all that, which sometimes seems really hopeless. And then we're having to come to terms with uh, some of the challenges or the challenge of racism in our culture right now. Right. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I think many people in our culture, uh, you know, regardless of their ethnicity, have felt pretty low in all of this. Right. You know, I know that uh, my black friends have felt very uh, oppressed for a long time, and a lot of them have, in racism. And uh, I think even as we come to terms with it as uh, Caucasians, uh, we're coming to terms with the reality that, yeah, we, we, we feel pretty low, too, about some of the things that have been done on our behalf and, and uh, uh, by people, even if it hadn't been us, but even in some ways we have participated in that. But yet, in all that, reminded that uh, there is hope as we turn to Christ. Right. And uh, that when we focus our lives in that, there is a way forward. And so in the midst of what we feel may be hopeless or just uh, really huge problems, 
there is hope, but we have to be willing to turn to someone greater than ourselves and yield ourselves to that in order to be able to uh, find that hope or to receive that hope and trust in the faithfulness of Jesus instead of us trying to have uh, some sort of magical formula or trying to dominate one another or whatever. Right. Yeah, I think uh, that's a real gut punch in some ways. I, uh, you know, my my sweet bride, uh, Jamie, and I, um, we joke pretty, pretty um, frequently lately about uh, we're going to move to Canada or New Zealand or some other country where, you know, uh, the grass seems like it's greener um, than our country. But this is a reminder that not only um, not only is trouble just a constant aspect of the human experience, it's also a constant aspect of the human experience for people who claim to follow Christ, right? Like, we do, we are not guaranteed when we become followers of Jesus that life is going to be perfect. Uh, that's not what Jesus promises. Jesus promises to be with us. Um, but in the midst of all of our suffering, in the midst of all of our pain, in the midst of all of our troubles and our sorrows, that um, we can still have hope, right? And that, um, you know, ultimately this hope won't be put to shame because God is, is active, right? The verse five says this hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, right? So God is active in us and around us and through us in the midst of our troubles, and God is acting. And I think that's maybe uh, one of the hardest parts for me is to understand that God is acting even when I don't see it, right? And yeah. I think that's the hard, one of the big hard pieces is trying to understand where God is in things. And, uh, you know, Paul here seems to indicate to us that, that in this scripture, when it talks about that uh, uh, we even take pride in our problems. Mm -hmm. So what if we look at the challenges of all these things that seem to be going on in our world, uh, even when we're not in the middle of the deeper things we're in right now? When a problem comes our way, we see that as not a burden, but as a gift and an mm. opportunity. Yeah. I mean, that's hard. I mean, I, 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 I can tell you that that's not the way I operate on a regular basis, okay? But that seems to be sort of what Paul's saying here is that, that even our problems have this capacity to produce good, to produce hope, to produce all these things. And, uh, you know, when we begin to own problems, and listen, and pray, and seek direction, uh, those problems can take on a hopefulness of a new day and a better day right. than what we were at before. Right. And, uh, but that comes through our connection with God and Jesus and, uh, and the faithfulness that we trust in and God's participation in this world with us, uh, even when that is unseen. Uh, but yet it's still there. Yeah, I think uh, that's hard, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I don't think I operate uh, in that space very often 
uh, or not. I, I might operate in it as often as I think of it, but a lot of times I don't think of it at all. I uh, I just operate uh, like the world is what it's always been, and uh, I operate like the way the rest of the world thinks, right? Which is, uh, here's my spreadsheet of pluses and minuses, and right now my my uh, life is in a deficit because things aren't going my way, and uh, you get locked into that um, sort of uh, rat race hustle uh, sort of uh, mindset of my life is uh, this sort of thing, and its its value is based in these kinds of things, and uh, because I do not have uh, the things that I want, or things are not going the way that I wish they would, um, there must be something wrong with my life, or God must not be operating in this space. But uh, the truth is that uh, my problems, which are relatively minor compared to the rest of the world's, uh, that God is actually active in those. We could have hope uh, because God is at work. And I think, uh, you know, sometimes we can kind of fall into that woe is me sort of attitude and we can kind of think, well, and this is probably a, a, a danger warning that comes with this set of verses is um, that just because God is active uh, doesn't mean we should be inactive um, but instead, we should cooperate with the grace that God gives us. And I don't know that we always do that. I, I think a lot of times uh, we fall into the trap of thinking that, well, this must be God's will, or this must be, you know, I, I must be, uh, uh, you know, supposed to go through this suffering to learn some sort of lesson. And and maybe sometimes that's true, but I think a lot of times God is God is working, but He asks us to work also. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know, trouble produces endurance, uh, endurance produces character, character produces hope. Uh, that tells us the word, when we use the word produces, that means there's some effort going on there. Right. right? Okay. And so I think, uh, as I listen to that, that, yeah, we have a responsibility to, keep, to be working at things. But we also have a hope that God's working there beside us. Yeah. And that changes the outcome. I mean, I know, I don't know how many times you come across a problem. I know I come across a problem, and it just looks huge out there. Right. And if I just go to do a little work on it or begin to address it in some way and trusting God to be with me in that, it always seems to amaze at how things oftentimes work out even better than I they could have worked out right. a lot better than I wish they could, than I thought they could work out initially, and uh, uh, I think that is a witness to uh, God's activity in our lives, but also our call to live the sanctified life, which is to live into the faithfulness by what we do and how who we are as well. And uh, but I think I think it's a hard piece. I don't think it's uh, only it's easy for any of us. Life is life is wrought with problems and challenges. <laughs> That's part of who we are too. Yeah, which kind of brings us to our modern solution: hope. Right? How counterintuitive is hope? Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it goes against our our human nature to some degree, uh, because 
we get overwhelmed easily with, with the problems and the challenges. And uh, hope is, uh, hope though is uh, something that, I don't know if it comes from within us, but I think, I tend to think it comes, you know, especially when I read this passage, that, that hope comes from Christ's faithfulness. Right. And not really from something that I'm going to generate myself out here. You know, being the good male I am, I like to fix everything. So I like just to go out, and, you know, uh, mass-produce hope in some way. Right. Uh, I think real hope, there may be a temporary hope or pleasure or something that comes, but real hope uh, is what comes from Christ and through His faithfulness. And uh, so I think the modern solution is that we, we we turn to that hope and we. Let that hope work in us, because we know we have the love of God that's been planted in us and put in us as a part of our DNA. And so, uh, when we let that be a part of who we are, uh, that becomes a solution to the problems and the difficulties and the challenges that we have. This deeper hope that abides with us in all things. Wow. Yeah. Um, and. I love this line uh, again in verse five that hope doesn't put us to shame, right? Like there's so many times I feel like um, some people think I'm this uh, Pollyanna type of character, you know, because uh, I try to be joyful in all circumstances. And, and some people, uh, you know, they think that, uh, that that's foolishness, right? To, to have hope in the midst of a dark situation is, uh, is, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and I'll, you know, wholeheartedly admit in a lot of situations, it, it really doesn't make sense. Uh, if you're understanding, uh, things, um, in the normal sense, but when you think about the idea that, um, God is present and working, and that uh, even in the future, when we're talking about, um, you know, ultimate realities of the kingdom of God, that that Christ has already done all the work. Hope is something that I can cling to because uh, Christ has not finished with me, right? Uh, because my purpose in this world has not. Uh, been completely fulfilled yet, and uh, my purposes in the next world, uh, those exist and are real, and and Christ is uh, looking after even me. And, and verse 8 says uh, that God shows his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? Like, that means that not only do I have hope, um, in spite of my brokenness, in spite of my sin and pain, but uh, you know, some of the people that we would consider our enemies, some of the people that we could, would consider the lowliest people on this planet, that Christ died for them too, and uh, so that that's a hopeful thing for me uh, because I often worry about, you know, I, my my wife. Uh, Jamie rightly thinks that I have a little bit of a savior complex. I think a lot of us that get in ministry do. We have this tendency to want to save everybody. And, you know, I see some people in 
and I see the decisions they make and I, I'm, I just, I almost explode because I can't control what they do. And uh, this is good news because um, even the, the people I would consider to be the most lost, right? Like Christ isn't done with them. Uh, Christ died for them too. And they can be redeemed. That same grace that's been offered to me is, is offered to them. Right, and it doesn't stop being offered. I think it's, uh, you know, uh, I think one of our challenges is to be able to see them, try to see other people, not them, but just try to see other people in general, overall, regardless of where they are in relationship to us, as those who are worthy of the love of God. Because this passage clearly says that everyone is worthy of that. And everyone is worthy of this gift of hope. And, uh, you know, we're called to boast in this hope and the glory of God. Uh, but the boasting is only for the purposes of letting others know that this is available to them. Right. It's a gift for them, too. And uh, But we have to try to continue to see them and see all people as uh, recipients of that hope that's available to Awesome. Well, that sounds like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That sounds like gospel to me. Oh, that's, uh, that sounds like good news. And that sounds like a good place for us to wrap up this podcast. So wherever you are, whoever you are, no matter how broken you are, we hope that you know that no matter what your situation is, no matter how lost you may feel or how dark things may seem we want you to know that you can have hope and that that hope will not put you to shame because god is working and active in your life and god loves you god bless you guys we will see you or hear you or you will hear us anyways next time god bless grace and peace bye